forward to having a great service together. How many of you, you had that cup of coffee this morning? How many of you feel like you need another cup or two? Yeah, I can never have too much coffee. Come on. That's right. We need uh, more coffee around here. If you didn't get a cup of coffee on your way in, I hope you get some uh, later on today. Coffee is a good thing, especially after yesterday. You guys were amazing passing out those trees and inviting people to this church. And I was just excited to see all the people that came yesterday. I can't tell you how many awesome messages and pictures I saw of people who just were grateful and thankful for all the hard work and the effort that you guys put into it. So many people just giving up their time. I know it was an early morning for many of you got there at 5 30 or 6 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday in December and you got a lot of things going on and I know it was a sacrifice for your part but I want to let you know from the bottom of my heart how grateful I am and how thankful I am I can't tell you how many people came up just with tears in their eyes to some of the people and just said hey I just want to let you know I haven't had a tree in three years thank you so much and church I want to let you know that's what it's all about it's all about helping somebody else and sharing the love of Jesus the Bible says this two commandments the whole law is fulfilled in two commandments love God and love others. And that's what we were doing yesterday, showing that we love others because we love God. Well, do you have your Bible this morning? If you do, that's great. If you don't, that's fine. We got a big Bible on the screen that's going to pop up. And we're going to be in Luke chapter number one. We're beginning a new series entitled A Thrill of Hope. And you're a guest with us. Welcome. We're honored that you would be here inside of your worship guide. You'll see the notes. You'll also see an invitation to um, uh, uh, be a part of this church. You'll see a message there. You'll also see a portion where we put the scripture verses in your hands. I believe the word of God is powerful and could do powerful things in our lives if we let it, if we let it happen. We let it work. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter number one, and we're going to be reading quite a bit of this passage. And the title of my message is Be It Unto Me. You'll figure that out in just a little bit because we jump into this series. I kind of got a little confession to make, church. And I know you're thinking, uh-oh, pastor, pastor, making a confession. This is, this is going to be bad. What's happening? No, it's not real bad. Uh, recently, my wife and I, we were driving in the car, and uh, I drink a lot of coffee. I enjoy a good cup of coffee. And so this last couple of weeks just been a busy season in our house. So my wife and I, on uh, Tuesday, we had a drive to Vallejo. We had a little bit of a drive. We were stuck in traffic for a little over two and a half hours driving there. And so I just had coffee, and so I hadn't seen her all day. So I'm just talking, and we're talking about things. And um, we were talking about some things that were just kind of uh, on maybe a more serious note. And Jane's very particular about what the kids hear and what they do don't hear, and I'm just, I'm just going, all right, and some of you know me, I don't quite shut up sometimes, and so it was just, I was just going, just going, not even really thinking, but we were just talking about things, and then my wife would just ever so gently just kind of put her hand on mine as I'm driving, just kind of pat it a little bit, and I don't know, you, you all don't have to worry about that, I'm sure your wives never, ever do that to you, but mine does, and uh, she just kind of just, hey, can you, can you watch, you know, the kids are in the back, and I was like, oh, okay, all right, all right, well, she kept doing it, and then I started to get annoyed because she was interrupting my flow of conversation, okay? And uh, I was getting interrupted. And I don't know about you, but I don't like to be interrupted. I don't like when somebody interrupts me. And so um, she kept doing that. She kept just gently. And every time she put her hand on, it got a little bit harder. So finally, this is a confession. I'm sorry, church. Hopefully you don't walk out. I was getting so annoyed. I was like, honey, honey, honey. And I was just kind of like doing that to her. I was like, what are you doing? You know, just like interrupting my conversation. And then she just got really quiet. How I heard it. How many of the husbands just went, oh, yeah, you messed up, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When she goes quiet, that's the worst. Like, you can deal with the decibels going up, 
But when there's no decibels, when it's zero, that's when, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. I hope you like the couch, buddy. I hope you like the guest bedroom. I hope you like sleeping outside with the dog because that's where you're going, buddy. And it was like the Holy Spirit just gently whispered to my heart, how does it feel to be a jerk? That's exactly how it felt. I was like, man, I can't believe I did it. But you know what? We just don't like to be interrupted, do we? How many of you, you just, it's difficult for you to deal with interruptions. Let's just be honest. Church, it's good to come clean, all right? Yeah, interruptions aren't pleasant. We're in the middle of a task. We're in the middle of a project. You're in the middle of a conversation. You're in the middle of a movie. You're in the middle of the Packers versus the Lions game, and somebody interrupts you. And you're like, come on, the, pa- the Lions were, were creaming the Packers until the very end. And you just don't like to be interrupted. Well, I'll tell you what, around this season, too often we don't like to be interrupted. This morning, I want to dive into that thought of the interruption. Because too often, we let interruptions bother us so very much. And it's amazing when we let these interruptions come, how how destructive they can be. Well, let's look at Luke chapter number 1. And I want us to read about an amazing interruption. And I'm going to read a kind of a long portion of Scripture. So if you're new, you're a guest. Typically, we don't read this much. But I really want you to get the whole scope and picture of what's happening. This is Luke chapter number 1. It's in the Gospels. And if you're just joining us, this is kind of the, 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 um, the entry to the Christmas story, okay? This is kind of the beginning of it. I want to start reading the verse number 1. Here's what the Bible says. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah of the course of Ahiah, and his wife was of the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous. I'm sorry, I'm going to begin in verse number five, not verse number one. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all his commandments and order and, uh, and orderliness of the Lord. They were blameless, and they had no children. Here's a good couple, a good couple that was doing right, but yet they couldn't have children. And back then in that time, it was considered kind of like God's judgment if you could not have children. It was uh, thought to be something somewhat shameful, something where you felt like you were somewhat worthless. Like, what's wrong with me? What have I done wrong? So here's this couple. They're older in years, and this is what they're going through. All right? And here's what verse 7 says. And they had no children because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, His lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. You say, why would people be praying outside of the temple? Because when the priests in that day and age would go into what would be called the Holy of Holies and light incense, if they were not, um, if they brought in anything that was unclean or unholy, they would die on the spot. So uh, tradition tells us what they would do is they would tie a rope onto their ankle and you would hear little bells that would be ringing on the bottom of their garments. And if the the people outside stopped hearing the ringing of the bells, they would have that cord because you were not allowed to go into the holies of holies. So they would take that rope and drag the body out. Okay. So that's why they had a group saying, all right, we're going to be praying for you while you're in there. Okay. It's a very serious thing to go in. All right. So there's, there's this heightened emotion about the situation. So you have these people praying and verse number 11 and get this. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. All of a sudden, okay, this 
is, this is something where you're, you're kind of shy. I mean, I remember when I replaced all the electrical outlets in my house, and I was, I was like, oh, great, I'm going to get hit with a 220 or a 110. I don't know what's in the house, probably 110, not a 220. And I was just so nervous. And my wife would just walk by, and she'd go, boo, and she'd just do that. And I was like, you're so mean. I'm a mean woman, just picking on me, always picking on me. You just don't like white people, do you? And, uh, you know, she's just, eh, my wife's Filipino. And so, you know, it's just, she always picking on me, and I was like, don't do that. I got these tools. Right she's like, the power's off. Nothing's going to happen. I know. But then just to think, here's this guy. He's walking in the temple, the Holy of Holies. And then an angel comes to him, and notice what this angel has to say. The angel says in verse number 13, but the angel said unto him, fear not, Zechariah. Like, that's the first words out of his mouth. So you know, Zechariah was a little bit scared. He may have even left a little present there in the Holy of Holies. He was so scared. Scripture doesn't tell us. I like to read between the lines. I like to make Scripture come alive. All right, it's how I look at the Bible. You may look at the Bible differently. I like to have a little fun when I look at the Bible, all right? Verse number 13 says, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. That's awesome. Wouldn't you just, as you're praying for things, God to send an angel and say, hey, by the way, God wants to let you know he heard your prayer and it's answered. That would just be awesome, all right? I would just be like, yes, it's about time. That is just great. But notice Zachariah's, uh, his reaction, okay? He said, verse number 13, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear a son, and thou shalt came, call his name John. What a great name, John. Verse number 14. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb, and many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before in the spirit of power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to wisdom of the just, to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. And verse number 18, here's Zachariah's reaction. Zachariah said to the angel, Whereby shall I know this? I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. I honestly believe at this point in Zachariah's life, he'd been praying for something for so long. And now time has passed where he's up there in years. And at one point, he probably looked at the prospect of seeing a children. You can imagine as he would walk the city streets of Jerusalem and he would see fathers with their boys. And he would see them and I'm sure inside of his heart, he He longed to have that same emotion, to long to have that same interaction. I'm sure he longed to have those special moments between a father and a son. I'm sure Elizabeth, as she walked to uh, the marketplace or as she saw other mothers with their daughters or with their children, getting them outfits and, and making things for him, I'm sure in her heart there was a longing there. But you know, over time, things happen where we just feel like, okay, I'm gonna let that dream go. I'm gonna let that dream die. And at this point, they're older. They're up there in years, the Bible says. We don't have an exact age, but when it says, well, stricken in years, you're talking the age of grandparents. And at that point in life, having a young child doesn't actually seem like that great of an idea. No, no, I got a bad back. I'm not picking up no 10 pound, 20 pound baby. No, we're done. Have you smelled the mess that those little babies can make? I'm just not up for that anymore. I'm not going to be able to take them fishing. I'm not going to be able to uh, play kickball with them. I'm not going to be able to get down on the floor and wrestle with them lest I break a hip. So, I mean, we're just, at this point, having a baby was now a interruption to his life, to his routine. As much as he wanted it, it was an interruption. And that's his reaction. But notice verse number 19, what the angel says. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And I'm sent here. 
to tell you this. And to show you these glad tidings. So that's the first interruption. Let me continue reading. I told you it would be a little bit lengthy. Notice if you would, same chapter, verse number 26. If you want to turn there, great. If not, I'll read it for you. And the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent. Same angel with the same message. The first was to Zechariah to tell him, hey, you're going to have a baby. Guess what? Here he is again. And in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David to, and to a virgin's name who was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God and be Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. This is that great announcement. This is why we celebrate this season that we're coming on. Here, two people, the exact same announcement. You're going to have a baby. Zachariah's reaction, I don't know about this. But let's see her reaction. Let's see how Mary responds to this. And I need you to get some background here. Mary is the poorest of the poor. She's a handmaid. Means she's a servant girl. Means she doesn't have a lot of money. She doesn't have a lot of influence. Women weren't highly regarded. She's even shocked that the Bible says uh, thou art highly favored of God. She's thinking me. I'm just barely above poverty. I'm just, and she's in the teenage years. This isn't somebody who's in their 20s or 30s. She's a teenage girl. And so here this announcement comes and notice how she responds. She says this, verse 32, and your son shall be great and he shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give him the throne of his father, David, and he shall reign in the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also this holy thing, which thou shalt be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And there is in this sixth month with her, who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. But notice verse 38, and this is where I get my title from. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid, or the servant of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Her reaction was, I'm not even married. I don't have a a stable home. I haven't started my life yet. But God, all right. This is going to be an interruption because she said, did you catch it? She's engaged. She's a spouse to Joseph. That means she was going to target setting up a wedding registry, not a baby registry. She wasn't thinking about having a baby. She was thinking about planning her wedding. And life threw her a major interruption. But how does she respond to the interruption? She says, be it unto me. This morning, before we start in prayer, I need you to touch the person next to you. And I need you to tell them this phrase, be it unto me, be it unto me. Touch somebody say, be it unto me. That this season, there's going to be some interruptions. There's going to be some things that come up. And so far, many of you, you're off to an amazing start. We had some great organized plans for how yesterday was supposed to go. 
Many of you know how those things went downhill in 15 minutes once a certain somebody showed up. But God was still good and turned things around. And there was an interruption that happened. But how do we handle the interruptions that life and the Lord throws at us? That's what's important. So let's begin by a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive into this thought of interruptions this morning. Dear God, we love you. I thank you for these wonderful people that are here. I thank you for our guests and our visitors. I pray that they would sense your spirit touching their heart. I pray that you would meet a need. I pray that this word would touch their situation. I thank you that we have people that are here that are loving on this community, that want to shower blessings on this community, that want this community to get a picture of you. Because they may never see the physical form of Jesus, but they see us and you live inside of us. And we may be the only Jesus they ever see. And I pray that our church would serve you well. I pray that our church would love this community well. I pray that you would honor and work in a great way. We love you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why do we not like interruptions? Or why do they bother us? so much. Can I tell you for me, and you may resonate with this, for me, interruptions are often perceived as an inconvenience. Let's just be honest. I look at a lot of interruptions as an inconvenience to my life. You're inconveniencing me. What do you need? Why are you calling me? Where do you need me to take you? Why do you need me to drive you there? Why do you need me to pick up that for you? Why do I need to stay overtime? Why do I need to come in early? Why are all these things happening? So I view interruptions as an inconvenience. Now, the mothers in this room, in, in, interruptions are a way of life for you. You never get to eat a hot meal. You never get to have a shower by yourself. You never get to even use the restroom by yourself when you have little toddlers. All these things, these interruptions that happen. And for you husbands, yes, when you and your wife are trying to have a moment together where you pray and read your Bible together. There's the knocking at the door, the interruptions that just constantly happen. And so sometimes the mothers in this room or the ladies in this room, you handle interruptions way better than most of the men. But still, the interruptions are often perceived as an inconvenience. The problem, though, is that that interruption, we let it take over. You say, how can I tell if an interruption has become an inconvenience? It's when you start saying, I have to instead of I get to. Do you wake up on a Sunday morning and say, I have to go to church? Church has become an interruption to your life. Do you get it to your job and do you say, I have to go to work? Then your job, you now view it. It's now perceived as an interruption. I have to go home to the old lady. You now perceive your spouse or that person with you as an interruption. Got to go pick up the kids. You now see your children as an interruption and an inconvenience. And around this season, it's very easy, wonderful time of year that it is to look at so many things. What? You forgot milk at the grocery store and you need me to go back? You know how long the line is going to be? You know how long the traffic is going to be? That's, I just got home. I've worked 10-hour days. And you want me to do what now? It's perceived. The interruption is perceived as an inconvenience. Or do you look at it, hey, it's Sunday. We're going to hear some great music. We're going to listen to a message. It's a new series. There should be guests there. My friends are going to be there. My faith family's going to be there. I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord. Just like David said, uh, I, I'm rejoicing that I get to go to the house of the Lord. That I'm excited to be there to worship with the people. I get to. I don't have to. I get to. Oh, I get to go home to a beautiful wife. I get to go home to some wonderful kids. I get to spend time, extra time at my work and get paid for it. I get to work a job 
because there's so many people that don't have a job. I get to drive a broken down car as so many people take the bus. I get to go to this place. I get to go to the busy shopping mall and pick up those Christmas presents. Hey, I get to go to the grocery store because I can go to Second Harvest Food Bank where there's a line of people who couldn't afford the grocery store. Do you have to or do you get to? Hey, I'm preaching to me right now, too, because I can look at life as an interruption and the inconveniences. But around this season, let us guard our hearts from looking at things as an inconvenience. Because there are other people that have it so much worse, folks. And we need to step back and say, God, I am so blessed. You've done so much for me. And so help me to see this interruption not as an inconvenience. Too often, that's the way we see it, though. So around this time of year, let us guard our hearts against having that attitude. I like one preacher. He put it like this. He said, don't let something that means nothing keep you from experiencing what means everything. You just got home. It's been a long day and you just want to sit down and there's the children just kind of tugging at your sleeve. They want a few moments of your time. Don't let something TV that means nothing keep you from children, spouse that means everything. Some of you, God has been tugging at your heart saying, hey, you haven't prayed in a while. You haven't spent any time with me. You haven't talked to me. You haven't opened up your Bible in a while. We want a fellowship. We want to commune. You would drop everything to spend time with your favorite pop singer, with your favorite movie star, with your favorite radio personality, or your favorite author. You would drop everything. Would you drop a few moments to spend some time with me? Or have I become an inconvenience and an interruption to you? The God of the universe who said, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And he says, I have to get a number It's like waiting at the DMV to spend time with you when he's waiting in this busy season. And I know it's busy, folks. I know some of you, you work two jobs, you're working long hours. You're trying to save up some extra money for Christmas presents. You know that you've got way too many Christmas parties. You've eaten way too many Christmas cookies. And right now it's only December 6th and you're kind of already Christmas out. You're kind of like, I've almost had about enough eggnog. All right. Time to get grandma special eggnog because that's what I need right now. Little something, something put in it, okay? That's what I need because I can't take any more. Because you've now allowed things that mean nothing to keep you from things that mean everything. Because we perceive interruptions as an inconvenience. Why? Because we're overcommitted, we're overextended, and we are overwhelmed. You see, We need to get to the point where we will not get lost in lesser things, but we will make the most of what matters most. I need you to say that out loud, though, and I want it to be the theme of this month. And I want to say it one more time, then we're going to say it together. I will not get lost in lesser things. I will make the most of what matters most. Can we say that together? Ready? Here we go. I will not get lost in lesser things. I will make the most of what matters most. One more time. That was so good, class. I will not get lost in lesser things. I will make the most of what matters most. And that may be something you tweet, you put out there, you put it on a card, and you just kind of keep it on the forefront of your mind that you will not get lost in lesser things. The traffic is going to be bad. The stores are going to be bad. Things at family are going to be stressful. But at that moment, you need to say, I'm not going to get lost in these lesser things. There's bigger things here. You see, we perceive interruptions as inconvenient. We also see interruptions are perceived as impossible. You say, what do you mean? Did you catch what it was? Here's Zechariah, and he's saying, hey, angel, I'm thankful that you're here. This is great. This is cool and all. I've been doing this for a long time, and I've never had an angel come and visit me, and I'm sure it's not the mushrooms that Elizabeth gave me. I'm sure this is you in the flesh because I'm scared, and I'm sure this is real. And all of a sudden, he sees this angel. He's having this dialogue with this angel sent from God, but yet when the angel says your prayer is answered, you're going to have kids, he didn't believe him. 
You see, not only do you see the interruption as an inconvenience, you also see it as impossible. You see, what do you mean? Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I really need your help. Ah, it's just impossible. I couldn't help you. Oh, that's just impossible. A church your size couldn't give away 500 trees. That's just not possible. So why even try? We couldn't raise that money. We couldn't do that. And, and, and we just perceive these interruptions as almost impossible. Children come up to you. Oh, I need you to be at this game, and I need you to do this. Oh, it'd just be impossible. I just couldn't do that. But what do we see in the later chapter in this passage in verse 37? The Bible says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Are you looking at that interruption as it's just impossible for me to do it? Where God is saying, hey, no, 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 no. That's the wrong way to look at it. Because I want you to see that interruptions really are this. And the way we see things will determine the way we feel about them. Okay? I've been saying perceive. So the way you see things will determine the way you feel about them. All right? See, I want you to understand something. Life's greatest invitations come in the form of interruptions. Life's greatest invitations come in the form of interruptions. Here was an invitation given to Zechariah. You're going to have John the Baptist. Now, Baptist isn't his last name. It just meant that he baptized people, okay? That's all that means. Some of you are like, oh, I thought it was his last name. That's pretty cool. No, no, that's not what it means. He just meant he baptized people. That's all it meant. And they were going to have John the Baptist, the forerunner of God. He was going to come in the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah's the man who called down fire from heaven. Elijah was this great prophet that Israel highly regarded. The prophet even came back in the Mount of Transfiguration with Moses when Jesus was there. And so we see this is this great prophet. And here's John the Baptist. That's going to be their son. And then Mary gets to be the mother of Jesus Christ, the son of God in the flesh. And here at this moment, this angel comes, says, hey, it's going to be an interruption, but it's actually an invitation to a greater life. So how can you look at that invitation? How can you look at that thing that is going to happen as an invitation to a greater life? You see, you're going to be interrupted all, all throughout your life and all throughout this Christmas season. But could you change your perspective to see the interruption as an invitation? Your car breaks down. You can't make it to work. Oh, I'm frustrated. I'm just irritated. Or did God just give you another moment to spend with somebody very close to you? A good family friend of my wife and I's, their son just passed away of cancer not too long ago. Matter of fact, about a month ago. He had battled cancer for the last three years. And I had gotten very close to his parents. I knew him fairly well, but very close to his parents. And they, they had given him just, uh, he had fought cancer for three years. They had, it started with the colon. They had taken a lung. They had taken ribs. They had just, they had, there wasn't a whole lot more the doctors could do. They had given him a diagnosis, and they said, it just doesn't look good. We don't know how much time you have. And I, I, as I was talking to this family, they were just kind of recounting some of the details before he passed away. And one Friday, the day before he passed away, he was talking to his wife and he said, honey, can you take today off? And she said, I, I really got to go to work. You're not working anymore. And we got bills to pay and the kids got to get to school. And, and now, mind you, she doesn't know that in 24 hours later, he's going to be passed away. The doctors have said he's got a little bit more time. And he said, you know, I, I would just really appreciate it if you would just take today off. They took that day off, and they just had a great day. Just enjoyed being together. And then early that next morning, that night, is when he was rushed to the hospital. And at 4 o'clock the next day, breathed his final breath. And she recounts how it was a struggle for her that she was honestly fighting the feelings of that she should have been at work. 
But then one day it put everything in perspective. That that was the last day on earth I got to have with my husband. You see, sometimes we look at interruptions and we think we're missing out on something big or it's God redirecting your steps because the Bible does say the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. So could you this week look at an interruption as a, at a flat tire, as something that's going on in the relationship, something at work, as an invitation where God is calling you to do something greater and bigger? You see, Mary, she wasn't prepared. She wasn't ready to have a child. But God said, hey, you are highly favored. You're going to go down through the annuals of history as one of those great women that's going to bear the Son of God. This is going to be your role to play. And here she could have at that moment buckled and bristled. But instead, she said, may it be unto me. Have your will done. She was just surrendered to it. But so many times, you and I, we look at an interruption and it's kind of like, really? Are you kidding me? You couldn't find anybody else. You couldn't do anything else. And I know sometimes I'm, I'm famous for texting people and say, hey, can you, can you help? And so sometimes it's kind of funny. Uh, I'll see little bubbles from you guys. And I'm like, oh, they're gonna, and the bubbles just go away. I'm like, no. I'm like reaching for the little bubbles. I'm like, bubbles, come back. And then like three days later, a week later, oh yeah, uh, do you still need help? No, no, I don't. That was way a long time ago. I feel like sometimes God does that. Like God's like, will you do it? Will you step out and work in the nursery and the children's ministry, work in the usher? Will you, will you go to the Christmas tree thing? And you're like, bubble, 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 bubble. No. And God's like, I'm calling you to something greater. Because I promise you, you probably watched several people walk into church this morning just kind of like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And you're like, what happened to you? I was lifting 50 and 60, 70-pound Christmas trees and carrying them. And I had five of them on my back at one time. Right, Raul? He just had them loaded up. The guy was like a mule man, just put them on his back and everything. Even Gio was out there. If you don't know Gio, he was amazing. Gio was 10 or 11? 10. He's carrying these trees, running them out. The best thing that Gio told me yesterday, he would hold up a tree and he would say, this tree is special. I was like, really, Gio? He's like, well, all the trees that I touch are special. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. I loved it. It was freezing cold. He's just out there. Because why? Even a child could see that an interruption is an invitation. So in this holiday season, can we look at the interruptions that, guess what, church? They're going to happen. It's December in the Bay Area. You're going to hit with a lot of interruptions. Things that you're not even expecting. Come on, I know you guys. You guys are planners, you're thinkers, you strategize, you plan. And guess what? That plan's going to go out the door this month. And the temptation is going to be to start cutting things out. And it's always hard for a pastor, not just me, any pastor. Because the thing that you need the most is the thing you usually cut out first. That's not me. It's usually we cut out God. Sorry, Lord, I don't have time for you today. I got to be at work early. And what begins to happen is when we get to that point where we are now comfortable cutting out what should be priorities, it's not before too long. And I always see it, church. I'm young in the ministry, all right? But I've seen a few things. Where then if you get comfortable cutting out priorities, then you get comfortable cutting out other priorities, like a spouse, like children, like work. And these priorities that you one time just thought were sacred, that they were the holy grail, you start eating into them. And I always see this progression. It's just kind of where it starts. Oh, they, they, they just stop. God's not as big of a priority. And then you see, hey, some things are going on at home. 
And then you see the singing's going on with the children. And there's some things going on at work. And it's just this progression. Why? Because we looked at an interruption where God said, actually, what you perceive as an interruption is an invitation to a greater life. It's all about how you look at it and all about how you handle it. So this Christmas season, how are we going to handle the interruptions that God is going to send our way? Because God's invitations are always disguised as interruptions. You know, it's always hard to tell the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity, church. It's always hard. It's always hard to see, is this an opportunity or is this an obstacle? And until you try, then you'll know. It would have been really easy, church, when we looked back a few months ago and said, there's no way a church our size can give away 500 Christmas trees. I talked to one pastor this week, and he called me, and uh, their church is about eight, 900, and he's like, we're giving away 400 Christmas trees. How many are you guys giving away? Uh, 500. He's like, what? Do you guys have the volunteers for that? No. He's like, what are you guys doing? We don't know. We just bite off more than we could chew. We have big faith. He's like, wow, man. He's like, I'm going to tell my church that. There's another church. He called me this week, too, because he had given me the idea about giving away Christmas trees. And he was like, hey, we only do 300. I was like, well, how big is your church? He's like, about 400. I was like, wow, how many volunteers show up? About 100. I was like, hey, yeah, we got 45. We're going to make this happen, baby. And guess what? Some of you didn't even show up, but we still did it. Bubble, bubble, bubble. That was you. Mr. Bubbles, that's what I'm going to start calling you. Yeah, every time. You see, because it's all about how we look at the invitation. But you know what? You know what we need to do, church? We need to get to the point where we were looking for God's purpose in our next interruption. You say, what do you mean look for God's purpose? I need you to look at the scriptures one more time, okay? Especially the dialogue between the angel and Gabriel, verse number 19 of chapter number one. If you got your Bible, you got your iPhones, whatever you use, or just look right this way, I want to read it. Verse number 19. The Bible says something super interesting. I didn't catch it until I was reading this. The Bible says, and the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and I'm sent unto you and to show you these things. I'm sent to give you a message, but I'm also sent to show you something. What's amazing is you could go to Luke chapter number two and there's the shepherds who are abiding on a field keeping watch over their flocks by night. All of a sudden, the angels of the Lord descend and there is on the hillside this amazing chorus better than any Handel's Messiah that you've ever heard. They begin singing praises and shouting praises to God and the angels are told, or the shepherds are told, fear not for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And the shepherds who were sore afraid, they rose up and said, let us go and see such a sight. There was an interruption. They were supposed to be out there watching the sheep. But in the middle of the night, in the middle of watching their sheep, they dropped everything. They left everything to go see what mattered more. Because they weren't going to get lost in lesser things. They said, if Jesus, God the Son, has come in the flesh, incarnate, if he is here, we are fools not to go see him. And so shepherds came to go and see the baby Jesus. To go and to worship at his feet. But it was something the Bible says that they had to see. It's all about our sight. What are you looking for in the situation? Are you looking through eyes of faith to see what God would have you to see in that season? Or are you so wrapped up and it's very easy and I'm not trying to get overly harsh church, but it's easy this season to get wrapped up in our perfect idea of Christmas. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I get in a mode where I kind of have this beautiful idea of what Christmas should look like. I kind of rip it off out of uh, Norman Rockwell and out of Martha Stewart, what a perfect Christmas should look like. But my Christmases typically turn out to something that you would see out of Bart Simpson's life. Just getting real with you. 
Because why? Things don't always go to plan. And some of us are so in love with an idea that we can't see anything outside of our idea. And you're going to frustrate the people closest to you. You're going to be angry. You're going to miss out on the season. You're going to be so put off and so irritated and so frustrated that even driving to church, your knuckles are going to be gripping the steering wheel. Like, we're going to church. We're going to worship God and baby Jesus because that's what we do. And instead, because we're missing out on what really matters most. What we need to do is step back and say, God, what is here in this situation that I need to be looking for? You see, Mary, she said, be it unto me according to your word. What does that take to have that kind of mindset? I want you to understand, she had open eyes to see it. Zechariah was told, hey, I'm here to tell you something and to show you something, buddy. That's why I'm here. I'm sent from God. Here, Mary, she even said, be it unto me. The shepherds even went to go see it. You see, too often we're overlooking what matters most. Yeah, we're overcommitted, we're overworked, we're overstressed, and yet we're still overlooking these things. I was talking to one person, and she was telling me uh, uh, she's got four kids, and she was like, yeah, the kids uh, just pulled on me and everything. She's like, I just watch Netflix, just kind of tune them out. And I was kind of laughing, but then I was like, how sad is that? Because our children are pulling out our sleeves, our, our, our friends and family, those people closest to us that matter the most to us are pulling for our attention. And yet we overlook them. And I know I've said it. If it was just quiet and peaceful, I'd get something done around here. But as I said in our family series, the greatest thing you do in life, maybe not something you do, but somebody you raise. And we need to turn our attention this holiday season. Hey, it's okay if they don't have everything on their wish list under the tree. It's okay if you don't make it to every holiday party. It's okay if you don't get to do every uh, traditional Christmas thing as long as you say, you know what, our hearts and minds are not going to get interrupted between what this season is all about. and It's all about Jesus Christ and celebrating his birth. And as long as we keep that, Everything else is extra. If there's a present under the tree, we're going to be thankful. If there is a good food on the table, we're going to be grateful because that's extra. If we're going to a Christmas party, that's extra. I don't have to. I get to. If there is a a family member that we're going to go see, I don't have to go there. I get to go there. If there's a special church service, I don't have to go there. I get to. If there is something special going on like giving away Christmas trees, I don't have to. I get to. And the world will scratch their head and say, what's wrong with you? You seem so up beat you seem so positive i want what you have and you'll say i have jesus christ and he's made all the difference in the world until we get to that point everything else will seem inconvenient and impossible so church we need to see the invitations as god sees them but we have to have open eyes but then sometimes we have to make some room sometimes your schedule is just too full sometimes we just pack too much in So sometimes we have to make some room. We need to stop looking for better conditions to fulfill God's calling. And too often, we say, if I just had more time, if I just had that peace, I'd I'd get things done. But have we stepped back and said, hey, what is non-essential in my life right now? Hey, maybe it's time to take a Facebook fast. Maybe it's time to say, you know what? There are things that I want to do. I want to get in that extra golf game. But you know what? It's probably better that I spend time with some friends and family. I'll hit up the golf game in January. It might be nice to spend some extra time with girlfriends just grabbing coffee. But it may be time to say, you know what? My husband's got time off from work. Why don't I just spend some extra time with him? It may be one of those times you say, hey, workload's a little bit light. I can make some extra time. I can be at church a little bit more. 
I could spend more time with the Lord in my Bible. I could spend some more time with my family. Maybe we could read. Maybe we could pray together in the month of December. Maybe in the month of December, we find like a little Christmas book that talks about the Christmas story. And every night before we go to bed, we start a new little tradition, kind of gets our hearts and minds prepared for it. And we start reading that Christmas story. And we just kind of read it together. We don't just wait till December 25th, open Luke chapter number two. And before we tear open the presents, we read that Christmas story. Maybe we have Christmas stories going on all throughout the month of December that just kind of get our hearts and minds on Jesus Christ. We got to make some room. We all know the passage in Luke chapter number two that Joseph and Mary, they came to the city of Bethlehem and they were looking for a place to stay. And the Bible says, and there was no room. And I feel like that's my life. There's no room. I recently heard a pastor say that he was so busy doing the work of the Lord that he was destroying the Lord's work in him because he's so busy. And as soon as I say that, some of you Immediately, you're like, that's it. I need to stop working in nursery. That's it. I need to pull out of the usher's ministry. That's it. I got to pull back from church. That is it. I got to just pull back because I don't want the work of the Lord to destroy the Lord's work in me. And I just need to be a Mary and sit at the feet of Jesus and just kind of kumbaya, my Lord. And just kind of just be there in the moment and get his presence and just kind of bask in his glory. The only problem is that was a pastor talking about ministry work. So let's Apply it to your life. Your work is your job. Your work, mom, is your family or your business. Your work, dad, is your job. So don't let your job destroy God's work in you. Don't let your family destroy God's work in you. That's your application. It's not, oh, pastor, I got to text you. I got to get out of all ministry because I'm destroying the work of the Lord. I just got to sit in the church and I just, I, can't, I couldn't listen to the podcast. No, 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 I couldn't do that. Like, I couldn't. Same message, but no, no, there's just something better when I, when I see your spit coming out. There's just something holy about that spit. I just got to see that spit and bottle that, sell it on eBay. It's gross, but I might do it. And so you're just like, there's something there. Oh, I just got to, I got to take a couple Sundays off the month of December. Can't be at church. Got to go visit my other church. My other church is Great America. That's where I go worship on the roller coasters. I get my prayer life right because I might die on that roller coaster. So me and God, we just get things straight on that roller coaster. I'm not preaching against family time. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we need to watch our own hearts. I don't have a thermometer on your heart. I only have a thermometer on my heart. And I know what I need to do. And it's time that we say, hey, are the interruptions that I'm allowing in my life, allowing the thermometer, the temperature of my heart, my heart's passion for God, is it getting cool? Is it cooling off? Because maybe it's time I make some room. Maybe it's time we say this Christmas is going to be really simple, kids. This Christmas may not be everything. My wife came up to me and she said, that's it. This year, we're not doing a bunch of presents. They get one big one. That's it. And I know why she keeps saying because our kids have tiny little toys everywhere. Shopkins are up the devil, people, especially when you are barefoot. They are out there to take off your toes. And it's like one of those things where it's like we just get too much. And I'm not against you buying your kids great things. Do it. Lavish them. Do it. But at the same time. Don't allow it to become something that steals their heart. And then lastly, we need to have a willing heart. Mary's reaction is so unlike Zachariah's reaction. Her reaction is, be it unto me. Let it come. Let it happen. But out of all these interruptions, though, there's the most important one that we just kind of gloss over. And I can't, I can't end this message without touching on it. You see, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they had John the Baptist. They had that baby. But then Mary and Joseph, Mary rather, had the baby Jesus. Do you think, let's just talk out loud for a moment. Do you think, because Jesus is eternal, 
I don't want you to think that when Jesus was born, that's when his existence began. That's not what scripture teaches us. That Jesus' existence was from the beginning. He is eternal. That means he's had no beginning. He'll have no end, okay? And so Jesus was existing in heaven. A beautiful, awesome paradise. He's enjoying paradise. And God the Father says, hey, son, we need to have a talk. These people down there are sinning. Right now, we've kind of got a little plan where they offer up bulls and goats. But you know what? That's not going to work forever. And that's not my original plan. My plan is to have somebody pay for the sins of the entire world. You can hear Jesus talking. That's a good plan, Father. Who's going to go? Gabriel? Michael? They haven't been too nice to me. One of them. That'd be great. God's thinking, nah, not, not thinking about Gabriel or Michael. Lucifer? Nah. No, I want to, but no. One of the other new angels, you know, one of those second class ones? No. All kidding aside, Jesus went through the greatest interruption of all. Here's the darling of heaven who stepped down and put on robes of flesh. I was walking through the Goodwill. I can find some cool stuff at the Goodwill. And I always go by the shoe aisle because sometimes people will, they'll put some really good shoes out there that are expensive shoes. You just have them resold and they're good as new, shine them up. I was looking at the shoes and I was thinking about them. And shoes tell a story. All shoes tell a story. I could pull up an old pair of wingtips. Older ones, you could tell they've been well-worn. And I began to think about that pair of shoes. And I thought maybe that pair of shoes walked somebody down the aisle and got married. Maybe that pair of shoes took some girl on her first dance. Maybe that pair of shoes landed that person his dream job. Then I found a pair of cleats. I was thinking maybe that pair of cleats scored the winning touchdown. Maybe it was that pair of cleats that set a new state record. I went over, saw another pair of tennis shoes. I was thinking, wow, I wonder who wore those tennis shoes. Somebody famous. Somebody who accomplished something great in life. Just began to go down the shoes because shoes tell a story about people. And they say if you really want to know a man, you got to walk a mile in their shoes. And then I thought about Jesus. How Jesus left earth to not just walk a mile in my shoes. No, not a mile. Not two miles. But for 33 years, he walked in my shoes. For 33 years, he went through the interruptions. For 33 years, he came down to this earth, this broken earth, where there's earthquakes and storms, where there's sickness and death, where there's murder and rape, where there's anarchy and terrorism, where there's terrible things that happen. Where a good friend of ours, their baby stopped breathing four days ago and is hanging on for dear life at Christmas. It was her birthday yesterday. Her baby's three months old and they're in the intensive care praying that their baby will live as a broken world that we live in. And Jesus stepped into it. The greatest interruption of all. He said, I'll walk with them, Father. I'll step into their shoes. I'll know what it's like to be depressed. I'll know what it's like to be lonely. I'll know what it's like not to have friends. 
I'll know what it's like to have people who don't believe in me. I'll know what it's like to have people who ridicule me. I will know what it is like to have people beat on me and hate me and want to kill me and want to destroy me. I'll know what it is like to to feel the full frontal assault of all the forces of darkness against me. And I will walk that out. I will live that interruption. And I will go to a cross. And I will lay down my life. And I will say, not my will, but thine be done. I think he learned that from his mother who said, be it unto me according to thy will. And Jesus in his final moment said, not my will, but thine be done. In the greatest, most spectacular demonstration and communication of love, of outpouring, of gratefulness, of thankfulness to go to a cross and die for you and die for me. What wondrous love. Amazing love. How can it be? That thou, my God, shouldst die for me. And that's what he did. The greatest interruption was also his greatest invitation. The singular worst event in all of the history of mankind in one moment was also the exact greatest moment in the history of mankind. Only God could do that. Only Jesus could do that. And he this morning, he's whispering at your heart. He's saying, I want to interrupt your life. You've ignored me for so long. You've put me on the back burner for so long. I'm not where we used to be. He's drawing you. He's saying, come home. He's saying, open your heart. Clear the schedule. Open your eyes and see that I'm here Now, in this moment, but too many times, there's so much noise, so much distraction. We miss that Jesus is there in the moment. And some of you, my fear is we begin the holidays. The next month is going to go by and it's going to be a blur. And you've made all these great things in January. Oh, in January, I'll open my heart. Why are we waiting? God's saying this interruption seems inconvenient. For some of you, you're saying, I'm such a bad person. I've done so many terrible things. It would be impossible for Jesus to ever want to make a home in my heart. And he says, for whosoever will may come. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes?